So it is so we are back with another episode for our series of faith and sexuality. I have an amazing guest with me today. Uh guest, would you like to introduce yourself? What up, y'all? Coach Reese. Um, Arisa Wilson, excited and happy to be in the space. Thank you for having me. Of course. Coach Reese is an amazing, 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 amazing person and a great example for us within the community. And it was a great honor of having her joining us today for another episode but we're just gonna jump right into the questions so the first question is what made you you go deeper like what made me me in what aspect and just you deciding to choose your career path with you just being a great example within the community what made you you know decide to create that just create that path for yourself yeah no so that's a great question so there's a couple of things that made me me. Number one is my mother did an amazing job with instilling the right to confidence into me as a as a youngin. Like I never had the chance to not believe in myself. I never had the chance to not know that I had a purpose, that I was a blessing, that I was born on purpose. Like it was her mission to build me up. And so for me, that's my foundation. And then I saw a lot of folks, right? It didn't help that I was an only child. It didn't help that I'm a Leo, all those different things. So a lot of my upbringing was literally, was literally founded on me, right? Not in a selfish way, because my mother was always about other people, community and serving folks, but just me, I had all the development and pouring that I needed. But to your topic of faith and sexuality, right? Like that was the only piece I didn't have. So to become the me that I am today took a lot a lot of work. But to go backwards a little bit, when I was about 15 years old is when I started coaching. And I knew that I wanted to get into coaching prior to that because I knew that I had a knack for speaking, encouragement, leadership. I was a captain of all the teams that I'd been on. I loved encouraging people. I loved helping building people up like this, something that I gravitated towards. And in doing that, Once I got to college, I wanted to figure out like, how do I do that more? I just didn't know. So I didn't have a lot of advisors, anybody to tell me, oh, you should major in this or you should do that. I had no idea what what any of that was like. Even though I came from educated Black women, it still was very different. There wasn't a lot of conversations around what do you want to do afterwards and what do you major in? How do you go about that as a college athlete as well? So um, when I got to college, I was going to, I was going to be a firefighter. Like that was going to be my thing. I was going to be a firefighter. And then from there, just kind of, kind of figure it out. I think be a firefighter and coach. The only reason why 
I didn't pursue firefighting was because it would impede with my ability to be a basketball coach. So that's the short piece is again, I was a, I was a basketball player and then that allowed me to start coaching. And then from there, I just started diving into leadership development. How do I help people be better? How do I, how do people grow? How do I understand the science behind it? So then I got into psychology, I got into really understand the cognitive aspects that make us us. Then I just fell deeper and deeper into it. And, and here, I am, here I am today. That's definitely a beautiful story. Transitioning to pull forward into the topic, what is your definition of a Christian? My definition of a Christian is, I don't know, I don't think I've ever been asked that before, but I think in doing a lot of work to deconstruct my faith, I am seeing that a Christian, I think in its original form is a Christ follower, right? I think that's where the name came from. I was raised to be a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. And so the way that I would understand historically would to be a follower of Christ, of Jesus Christ, the way that I see it now is not the same. I don't call myself a Christian anymore. I used to call myself a Black woman, lesbian Christian. And the more that I'm seeing what's attached to that label, I'm hurt by it because it is a it's a construct of something that I wasn't born into right like I was already born black I was born a woman I was born a lesbian I chose to be a Christian you know and that's why I said it in that way and I think that Christianity as a whole right now is being really mixed with white supremacy and and that for me is not okay because white Christianity really robbed me of a lot of my upbringing and I am working really hard to get, I have it back, but I had to work really hard to become the person that I am today due to being somebody who followed white Christianity to the T. Wow. So since you said that you don't consider yourself to be a Christian, what do you consider yourself to be now as a believer? You know, when I say believer, and for some people, and that's still even Christian language. So that's kind of hard, you know, sometimes to say it depends on where I'm at, right? I might be, if I'm doing a workshop at a high school or I'm doing that at college or I'm doing it at a company, I have to really survey and what language is going to match it, match the place that I'm at. And so, you know, if it's if I'm on social media, I'm just using my own language. But if I'm in a place where I need to be, you know, sometimes careful with what I'm saying, then I may say, I may say Christ follower. I may say Jesus lover. I may say believer. I may say I'm faith-based, right? So it really just depends. Like I don't, I'm really not putting a label on my relationship with Christ because I've also done some work around like who is Jesus and that Christ isn't Jesus's last name, right? And who is God and what is God as a genderless person, but embodies two different energies between feminine and masculine. And so I'm even challenging myself and sometimes using they or he or her. And that's something that I would have never even not thought about because I thought it was taboo, but just didn't even know that that was something that I could do as a person, as a believer. So I don't think I really call myself too much of it unless I'm trying to prove a point or talk about all of my intersections. And one is really the only time I say I'm a believer or faith-based. Okay. That, listen, you're hitting some points. Okay. What key point changed your view on life of being in the community and being a believer? A key point, I think it's always been a struggle for me. I've always struggled with my 
and I'm going to say it this specific way for a reason, I've always struggled with my sexuality and not with being it, but with accepting that I can be a lesbian and a believer. I think had I not been raised in a Christian home, I don't know if my struggle would be the same. And I know that there are people who were not born in Christian homes who also had struggles with their parents. So that's why I say I don't know, because people are still facing trauma and torment and toxicity and violence and all that stuff, even if they're not being raised in Christian homes due to their sexuality. And so, so I don't, so I don't know when it comes to that, I think all the way around, it's unfortunate, especially when I believe it's something that I didn't ask to be, I didn't ask for it. You know, I remember being eight years old and clearly to this day, still remember the first girl that I had a crush on at eight. And so I think for me, the point has never not been, it's never not existed. I've never not known that I was a lesbian, but I've tried to mask it in other things. You know, I tried to mask it in not being it. I tried to mask it in being a bisexual. I tried to mask it in so many other things and that suppressed me and prevented me from being able to be the fully authentic human being you see in front of you today. And so really breaking that down to doing this work, I would say, honestly, unfortunately, came down to when my mother passed away. So she passed away when I was 26. And it was probably a couple years after that, that I was able to really start to try to breathe again and do some deeper work and figure out like, if I'm going to live, who do I want to live as? How do I want to live? How do I get some healing? And in getting that healing, it drove me to seeking more authenticity because I couldn't live anymore being who I was. I couldn't live as tormented and broken up and heartbroken, you know, over the loss of my mom, but also just feeling like I was living a double life with trying, and not a, a double life and also just trying to be somebody that I wasn't. And that for me was like, that was the breaking point. I just could no longer live and exist as somebody other than who I felt in my heart that I was created to be. That's definitely a touching story. And I feel like I'm in that chapter because I just recently lost my father last year. So I'm kind of in that chapter where I'm like, I'm in between the two of choosing myself or choosing, you know, whoever that pleases other people. So I can definitely relate to that for sure. The next question is, what was it like growing up in a strict, like faith-based household? Mm, I like the question. Growing, see my mom, my mom wasn't strict. So a lot of folks, and I laugh at that because she she wasn't strict, definitely faith-based and depending on, you know, how you see strict, but she was a stickler for integrity. That was it. I didn't have any like rules. I didn't have really like a curfew per se. I didn't get in trouble too much. I wasn't like she wasn't, a lot of people will say like she wasn't like your typical black mom. It was just more so of like, God is watching, you know, which I think is, is something in and of itself. But she would always say, don't do something I wouldn't do, which was like nothing. You wouldn't do anything or just be a person of integrity. That was it. I was just raised to be somebody who valued my word. I was raised to be somebody who was a woman of my word, was a woman of integrity, who had a certain set of values and morals, who knew I had a purpose who was going to uplift other people, who was going to be a good friend, who was going to follow through, like all that was just, that was it. So she never, my mom never spoke to me in necessarily don'ts. She spoke to me in do's. 
be above reproach. Remember you're the head and not the tail. Always speak life into people. Be the person who shows up. Be the friend to everybody. Like it was always do and be this, be in alignment, be representation for Christ and for in that way. And so she, that was it. So it wasn't necessarily strict. She just encouraged me to be the best person that I can be. And the person that she wanted me to be was somebody who other people wanted to be with and befriend and was good energy. And so a lot of stuff that I talk about today and do is rooted in that. And so the things though that I couldn't do were things, right, that were deemed simple or things that were deemed that would be the strict part. But a lot of it would be the same stuff other parents wouldn't want their kids doing anyways, right? So one thing though about my mom is she didn't cuss, she didn't drink, she didn't smoke, she didn't party. So I didn't see really any of that growing up. My dad did, but I didn't live with him. And so there's a lot of things that I just didn't see that weren't a part of my immediate existence. I call myself hood hybrid. And so like, there's a lot of stuff that I saw with my dad being an addict. And then there's stuff that I didn't see with my mom being very much like, you know, a Christ follower in a way that she just wasn't doing certain things. And so that reality, that duality of my reality really it was, it was a lot that I still have to process because I just had two very different, very, very different upbringings. And so, you know, in the house too, I got my first tattoo at 15 and my mom didn't, she didn't know I was going to get it. But when I got it, I got in trouble for like 30 minutes. Like it wasn't that big of a deal, but in it though, she didn't really know how to discipline very much, but I didn't do that much either. So I don't, so when you say strict, like I didn't, I wasn't a a bad kid. So I didn't have to face too many repercussions from certain things. It just was be a person of your word, period. Be a person of integrity, period. Live up to it. And that's a beautiful thing. Another question. If you could change anything about the path you took coming out and being proud, what would it be? I wouldn't change anything about my path and coming out. Nothing at all. And the reason why I wouldn't change anything is because I fought hard to become the the woman that I am today. I fought hard to gain the clarity that I have to be able to stand in my body wholly. I worked really hard to be able to have the confidence and the authenticity that I have. So I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything because it was hard. It was hard to be able to string together and say I'm a black woman lesbian believer. It was hard going from saying I was a black woman bisexual and I only used bisexual still out of fear. So I had to be able to knock down that fear and be like, that's not it. I'm only saying that out of safety. I'm only saying that out of um, trying to be still something that I'm not. And so that's still being inauthentic. And so I wouldn't change anything about my path because it gave me the strength and the resilience and also the hope and optimism to be, to know that I'm still not who I fully want to be yet. And that excites me as a competitor is that I still have space to grow. I still have space to be that much more of the woman I want to be, but I absolutely love who I am today. And it took a long time. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of introspection, a lot of isolation, a lot of crying, a lot of just pain and anguish and grieving, but a lot of joy and a lot of discipline and the endurance that was developed through that I mean, can't nobody take away me from me. I really love that statement of no one taking you from you because nobody can't be you. You can only be you. And that's amazing. That's an amazing feeling to be able to stand in that in full truth. 
a video reference. So I watched the video that you created about you talking about you being bisexual to please other people. Do you feel like for that period of time you came out as being bisexual to be a people's pleaser at that moment? Or like, what is your story behind that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, when everybody else around you knows you're gay, but you don't, you know, it's like everybody else for the most part around me knew. And for the most part, didn't care. And I went to, I guess I have to go backwards a little bit. So I went to a predominantly white Christian college. And that time of my life was very, when I look back on it now, like I, I'm sad for that woman that I was, that young woman that I was, because she didn't have space to be the woman that I want to be now. And so she is the one who was afraid of saying that she was a lesbian. She was the one who found safety in being bisexual because she still prayed and hoped that maybe God will change me. You know, maybe um, I could still kind of pray the gay away. Maybe some man will fall in love with me and, you know, and then I'll fall in love with him and, and that'll be it. You know, so she still held on to a belief and a fear that being who I was wasn't okay. And so the people that I was pleasing were just Christians, you know, they were Christians who think a very specific, narrow, I think, way, a very rigid way. And I held on to certain friendships and I held on to relationships that pleased, that didn't really please. It just, they were, they, I held on to them only because of a certain something. And so when I was, and it was actually an ex of mine who really, confronted me on saying that like you're in a whole lesbian relationship and you call yourself a bisexual like look at who you are and how you dress and all these different things and I could never fully commit to the persona for lack of better words that I have today and even how I dress I just dress funky like I look back at stuff and I'm like ew dog like because it was like I didn't I didn't (laughs) it was like everybody else knew I was gay and I knew I was gay and I used gay just for a blanket term, but I didn't want, I didn't want it to be true. You know, it was almost like I was still trying to hide who I was in plain sight. And that's the thing. Like when you're trying to hide who you are in plain sight, you are literally being inauthentic. And so it wasn't until I was like, I can no longer hide who I am in plain sight and I have to take whatever repercussions come with it. And I who I have to lose whoever it is that I have to lose, but I can no longer get up in the morning and walk out in this world and try to live out my purpose and hide in plain sight in fear of what may go on or what may happen or who I may lose or who may judge me. Like it just, I just literally got to a breaking point and was like, I can't do it anymore. And so my sexuality only comes up with folks who want to question it. And I no longer have conversations about my sexuality. Like, what What are we talking about? Like, obviously, in the podcast setting, we can have the conversation, but, you know, about my story. But if you want to talk to me about why I'm living my life this way, you're having a conversation by yourself. I don't have to convince you of nothing, period. And I, and I didn't have that strength always. And I've, like I said, I've lost friends over it because I allowed people to make me question me. And when you're in a space that allows people to make you question you, you're going to keep questioning you and question your relationship with God and all those other things. And now I'm like, I'm not doing it. You're talking to yourself. 
you're having this conversation for you. You're not having it for me or with me. You're doing it for your peace and your sanity. And I'm not the one anymore. Hey, that's listen, that's a strong woman to say that because I definitely can understand that. It's definitely a struggle. I know it's a struggle to get to that point because it's like you start losing people. And when you're such a like giving person or such a person like bringing positive vibes and you ain't got nobody to bring positive vibes to, it starts to be like a a conflict of interest because you're like, okay, do I choose this or do I choose that? So I can definitely understand that. But I'll, I'll say to that real quick is there are moments where you have to be in isolation. Moments of isolation are necessary and moments of doing life with people are necessary, right? So isolation and community are both a part of the growth process. They're both a part of the life process, but you only become who you are really going to become when you get some isolation, because that's where you get clarity. Without clarity, you'll never be able to be authentic because you won't know who you authentically are if you don't didn't have the clarity and the self-certainty in that time frame. And so on whatever journey, even though you know you may lose people, and I think that's true too. I knew that I would lose some people if I stood in me being who I am. But how is it that I could be so afraid to lose certain people, but I wasn't afraid to lose me? You know what I'm saying? Like I was more afraid of losing relationships with other folks and I was afraid of losing me and showing up as somebody else every day. And then for me, really like I lost my mom. I could care less about anybody else. I have to live every single day without the woman who birthed me. Like if I can live every day and miss her, I can live every day and miss you. Like that's really just how I see things. And so for me, I had to be able to stand on you know, and even recently with the teammate, the partner that I have now, you know, she's also empowered me in that way too, of like, what's the standard for friendship that you have? And that's something for me was a big deal that empowered me to be able to say, you know what, I can no longer engage in these friendships because I realized that I was allowing people to have certain parts of me. I was allowing people to celebrate certain aspects of me and be a part of certain aspects of my life. But hear me clearly. There's no way I could be 100% authentic to me and allow you to be able to support 50% of me. There's no way that I could be 100% authentic to me and have you this close to me, but you only rock with 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% of me. I'm not saying you got to agree with all my choices. What I'm saying is that you can't be my best friend. You can't be my family. You can't be my friend if you're not going to be a part of my life, if you're not going to do life with me. And so I had to, if you're not going to celebrate the things that bring me joy, I guess that's another thing, right? That's another way I'll say it is you can't, I can't be hundred percent authentic to me and do life with somebody who doesn't celebrate the things that bring me joy. And once I really like started to see that if I can't be pumped and happy and experience all the emotions with you, then we can't do life together. That's where I draw the line. Is if I can't be pumped with you and I can't be sad with you, then we can't do intimate life together, which means we're, certain things are no longer up for discussion. And so there, you will have to go through times alone, 100%, which is fine. But then the people who you're supposed to be doing life with will gravitate towards you. That's real, because the people that are meant to be here, they will be here. So I love that. Another question, what started that process of taking that route of coming out as bisexual? I know you you talked a little bit about it, of your deciding to do the bisexual and then 
you were having a crush at a very, very young age, but like what just decided you to just come out as bisexual instead of coming out as being lesbian? lesbian? When I think back on my, my journey, I didn't come out until I was in my mid-20s. And in my mid-20s, it was more so of like coming, no, sorry, let me go backwards. When I was 19, I decided to walk away from the lifestyle. I decided to, and I say lifestyle because that's the way I framed it then. And I stopped smoking, drinking, partying, messing with girls, everything. Like I just cold turkey stopped everything and went on a three-year hiatus. And during that time frame, like I said, I look at pictures of me and I'm like, who is that? <clears throat> like that woman did not have any growth. She didn't ha- have any sustainability. There was no longevity in me being the person that I thought I was. And so I did this thing though in school where I would give my testimony and it was about me being delivered. And prior to that, I did a, there's this thing that my church had and it was called Celebrate Recovery. And so Celebrate Recovery they, I did a, a speech and interview per se on what it was like being in the lifestyle and being delivered and being refreshed kind of deal. And I did that right before I went off to college. So then when I got to college, I did that same thing as, cause I have a youth ministry degree. And so I did it as one of my sermons was like my life. I even used a Jackie Hill Perry, um, her, my life as a stud poem as a part of my messages. And I use that as a reference. And so for me, that was it. It was my life as a stud and God delivered me. And so for those three years, people knew that I used to be gay. I used to be a lesbian, but God delivered me and I no longer dealt with that anymore. And during that time frame, I didn't have really any, any intimate, relationally intimate relationships, none. And I didn't know who I was. And the only thing that I was able to develop was myself as a professional. I was a great student. I was a great athlete. And I became an entrepreneur. So all those areas, like I was in it, I was on it because I didn't know how to grow in being me. And I suppressed the sadness, really, that came along with not being able to flourish fully as a holistic human being. I saw other people dating and enjoying life. And I hated it. It brought me so much pain. But I didn't. I couldn't. I didn't know what to do. I also saw people who went to the school that I went to who were also gay. And I was envious of them. And it was so envious that we couldn't even be friends. Like I didn't know how to be friends with other people who were comfortable in their sexuality because I was so envious. And it made me not be able to have certain friendships. Like it it just, I had to separate myself in a way because I didn't know how to be able to engage with them because I wanted to do it. I wanted to be true to myself. And I was envious that they had the ability to be true to themselves and I didn't. So I hung out with a different group who also made me not be true to myself. So I literally spent a time frame of my life just not being authentic to me. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people be so authentic to themselves is because I know what it feels like. And I spent so much time in that space that it just doesn't feel good. And so once I got out of that era in life, I was like, I just had to face it. Like, I'm gay. Like, this just is what it is, right? I'm gay. And so I kind of came out at 25. And that ended up being, actually just did a video on my TikTok about this a couple of days ago, similar to the guy with Actively Black, where he hid his Blackness from his brand with Active Faith. I had a youth academy called TCSA, and it was true Christian student athletes. And 
I came out because it was, I'm a Christian and I have this and oh my gosh, right? Like it was everybody's business. And that was the thing. I made my reality, my sexuality, everybody's business. And I gave other people permission. And that was the problem is I went about it, giving other people permission and having a say on who I am versus me just being, now I'm just showing up. I'm not asking for your permission for me to show up holistically as I am. And this is why I put my face on every single thing that I do. Because before you agree to do anything with me, you will see that I'm a Black woman mass presenting lesbian. And if you can't see my boobs in the picture, that's on you. But then you better read the bio and see that it says she, her. So if we continue on any any road and then you go, oh, I didn't know. No, there's no guessing games. You can't guess anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like I and I always say mass presenting, and that's something I never used to say because I was never comfortable with it. I always had to have a little bit of something so that way people would accept me. Bump that. I'm sexy as a mug looking like this and I'm rocking with it. And so for me, it took, like I said, a long time to get here because I used to put other people's thoughts and their opinions and my hopes or them want to do life with me because of what you just said. I was afraid of being alone because I was alone. People proved to me that when I would be me, that I'd be left alone. And so I was afraid that abandonment that I had was afraid of being alone. So then I was like, well, then I can't be true to me because if I'm true to me, then I'm going to be by myself. And what I realized is after a whole bunch of work and being by myself was the best thing that could have happened because that's how I became who I am today. So now when I came out of that time alone, I'm like, I'm Gucci. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm cool. I love me and I don't have to be, you know what I'm saying? I met my soulmate. I got good family. Like I'm, I'm chilling. I'm not alone, but I had to be alone in order to develop the strength that it takes for me to be the me now. And you're rocking with me or you're not. I'm showing up as is. There's no questions. You don't get a say anymore. I stopped giving people a say on which parts of me got to do life with them. Like that's the difference right there is there's no longer Parts of me is no longer up for debate. It's all of me or none of me, period. Hey, you speaking facts. You're speaking so much facts. I love that. Another thing is, do you believe the church has made it hard for the LGBTQIA plus community? Hard to what? To just be a part of, to fellowship, to join the, like, to join the body of faith or believers. Do you feel like they made it hard for us because how we present ourselves, even though they try to make it seem like, oh, it's the biggest sin, but do they make it hard for us to really be a part of that community? Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I I just made another video the other day uh, referencing, like, I just went back to the church for the first time in four years for a multitude of reasons. I won the pandemic, and but I've had some gatherings in the last couple months with an online community, but I never stepped foot in a church looking the way that I look now. And that for me was something that was a big deal. And excuse me, when I think about it, I hate to say the church as a blanket, because that's almost like saying everybody is a monolith, like the same way we say like black people or the LGBTQIA community or whatever, right? Like, so I think, but the church as a whole, the common denominator, again, has made it very difficult because of fear and lack of knowledge. And so when there's, when anything is led by fear, there's no freedom. There's no freedom in fear. And the church that I was able to go to this last week, again, the church, 
church and it was a black church, there was freedom found there for me. And I thank God for that pastor and him being able to stand in his own convictions on what does it mean to lead people, humans, period. Like, no, it didn't matter anything else, right? And so I think that, yes, the church at large has harmed a multitude of people. The white church has harmed Black folks, right? And the white church and the Black church has harmed the LGBTQ plus IA. And so I think the thing is, though, for me, even though I stepped away from the church, I never stepped away from God. Like I tried to not rock with God. I can't. My soul is anchored in the Lord, period. And it wasn't God that tried to tell me that we couldn't be cool. It was his people that tried to tell me we couldn't be cool. So that isolation that we speak about is necessary because it was the people that tried to tell me you can't be you and you and you. God never said I couldn't be me. God never said I couldn't exist the way that I want to exist. And God never said that I couldn't find freedom in being authentically me. And so, again, I think that isolation is necessary. Even God, well, Jesus went out and got some isolation. He went to the wilderness and prayed for 40 days. He went out and struggled with the devil. So it's like, also, where in the Bible did Jesus talk about sexuality? Nowhere. So when you really start to break a lot of that stuff down, we as humans just take things and run with them. I love to challenge thought. I'm a challenger. Like people know, don't bring me anything unless you want me to challenge it. And if I don't have a challenge, I just will be like, oh, that's dope. Cool. But more times than not, I'm going to challenge something because we often just say stuff without really thinking about it, without really getting to another level. And I think a lot of Christians just took things as, okay, they just took whatever their pastor said and ran with it and never challenged anything. And that's why though the folks who are doing the deconstructive work are really like they're deconstructing all of the buildup that was just told to them. And people like me happen to look like a radical, whatever. I'm like, no, I'm just not taking things for face value. And the thing that sucks is that even as kids, we get reprimanded for asking questions. You know what I'm saying? And so, and I'm, and I'm pro questions. I'm going to ask, I want to know, I want to get to the root of it, you know? And so to answer your question, absolutely. Because I think the church just took whatever and ran with it and became bullies and became very inclusive uh, versus, sorry, sorry, came very exclusive versus inclusive. Where Jesus, I believe, is an inclusive and all-encompassing and all humans, right? Everything else, I mean, just uh, between them and them, I don't know. But at the end of the day, like Jesus died for all people, period. I love that. Another question, was it a long process for you to be openly proud and how has it changed with you growing older and why is within the believers part, the faith part? When I say it's taken me 30, 30 years to be openly me and I'm only 32. So I think I say 30 because the last two years have been in a really good state in another way. But then from 25 to 30, hit different. Those were the most difficult years because those were the years of confusion and suppression and depression and grieving and isolation and in the wilderness and fighting and just all the wrestling and all of that. 
So 25 to 30, I would say was the hardest to get here. But then 19 through 23, I was the most inauthentic as far as who I was wholly. But I do a lot of work with youth and young adults and they all are. They're all over the place. And so being 32 and being grown now makes me grown, whatever, compared to being 19, right? It allows me to give the younger me that much more grace. Like I can be, I firmly believe I'm more authentic in being who I am now because I can give my younger self grace. She, you know, where she's just, just trying to figure it out. And I think if I would say anything to my younger self or to anybody, youth and young adults, I just be like, you breathe, give yourself grace. It's going to get better. But if you want it to be the best and you want to be your best and your most authentic self, then you have to fight for it. You cannot allow you. It's not going to just happen. You being your best self is not something that just pops up overnight. Like it's going to be about it. You have to fight. You have to hold on tight to the vision you have for the per- person you want to be. And then when you stop for a moment and you have this chance to look back and turn around, you have to give yourself grace for all the mistakes you made along the way, but also pat yourself on the back and be like, okay, you did that. Now let's just keep going, right? Continue to have a vision for your life for the person that you still have the potential to be. And that's what excites me is I'm still not even the person that I want to be. And when you can set a vision for who you want to be and give grace to the person that you were, but holistically be who it is that you feel like you're called to be right now, I think that is living as your most authentic self. And so each, when I look at each pocket in my life, there were different seasons that that were necessary for what they were. Professionally, they made me who I am today. And so I, I look at me professionally and as a person, two different things, but without the other, my purpose doesn't become complete until my personhood does. Hey, that's deep. That is definitely deep. Our last thing, our last question for today, what advice can you give someone struggling with faith in general and their sexuality right now? Advice I would give somebody who is struggling with faith and sexuality is number one, never let go of your relationship with Christ. Never let go. That's the number one thing. You can let go of the church. You can let go of friends. You can let go of certain community, but never let go of your relationship with Christ. Because when you go into isolation, the only other being that will be there is Christ. And for me, when I went into isolation and I went away from everything and I allowed my heart to break and I asked God to break my heart for what broke theirs, it was in that time that Christ was still there. When I was confused, when I was hurt, when I was sad, when I was mad, when I tried to figure out what is joy, what is being a woman, what is femininity, what does all of that stuff look like, Christ walked with me on that journey. And as as I continue to go and grow, he brought different things into my life for me to see like, oh, okay. And so I would tell anybody, number one is don't let go of your relationship with Christ because it's everlasting, right? And that's in, in being able to define what relationship looks like for you, what an intimate relationship with Christ looks like for you. It doesn't look the same and it shouldn't look the same for everybody because it should be a personal relationship. The next thing I would say is, don't let go of your relationship with yourself. So you have to have a relationship with Christ and you have to have a relationship with yourself. And so in those times of isolation, get with you. Who am I? Who do I want to be? 
how do I want to be? What are my values? What do I want to stand for? What type of a human being do I want to present and show to the world? So number one, get in isolation, hold on to your relationship with Christ. Number two, stay in isolation and then really grow in your relationship with self. When you're from a faith and sexuality stance, your sexuality is just a part of who you are. It's not all of who you are. It influences who you are and how you show up and it influences your relationship with self, others, right, in Christ. But if you, your soul and your spirit isn't anchored to a relationship with Christ and then you don't have a sense of self-worth and a sense of self-certainty, your purpose don't matter. Being confident is irrelevant. It'll never happen because your foundation will be incomplete. It'll be shaky. So any turmoil, any adversity, any type of adverse experiences you go through, you will crumble through because you don't have a firm foundation. And so the third thing I would say is once it's time for you to enter back into community, you will have a clear vision or a clearer vision of who you are and what you allow. Because when you're when you have self-awareness, you're gonna know what I will allow, what my boundaries are, and who I'm going to do life with. You're gonna be able to have an understanding of your energies and your nervous system. You're gonna know what bothers you, what doesn't bother you. You're gonna know what triggers you and what doesn't. You're gonna know what gives you peace, who gives you peace, what brings you joy, and you're gonna know what you want to tolerate. And so take those times of isolation serious, but also get back into community because we need people. And you can't get out, you can't grow your community unless you're out. So find spaces, right? Find spaces that, you know, are accepting of you. Find spaces that are safe for you to be authentic and to test that out, you know, whether that be with friends or family. And if it's just one person, that's fine. And then eventually it'll grow. And the more you start to live out your purpose, the more people you meet that are in alignment with it, that'll help you live that out as well. And the reason why I bring up purpose is because I believe everybody was born with the purpose on purpose to live out their purpose. And I think that's the purpose. That's the point of it all. And your sexuality matters because you need to be a model for somebody else the same way I need to be a model for somebody else. And me completing my purpose is me being authentic to me. I can't, I could not. I was so attached to wanting to live out my purpose, it would not come anymore to fruition until I accepted who I was. The life that I'm living now is beyond, is everything I've ever dreamed of, but it was not obtainable until I got into alignment with who I am today. I've always had the dream. I've always had the work ethic. I've always had the vision, but it could never really come full circle until I was like, this is who I am and I'm not apologizing for it. So number one, Hold on tight to your relationship with Christ. Number two, hold on tight with you, your relationship with you. Number three, find a community that's safe and that celebrates you. And then four, pursue your purpose with all your might. And that's what I would tell somebody. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. Those are amazing advices. And it's definitely something personal to me. But I appreciate you coming and joining us today for another episode. Go ahead and give us your social media platforms of where we can find you. Yep. So you can find me on IG. My personal page is Coach Reese, and that's R E E S with the one at the end, the number one. That's all, you know, all things personal. You can also follow my coaching page, and that's at You Wish Coaching. That's Y O U I S H Coaching. And then on TikTok, I'm at Coach Reese One as well. Twitter, Coach Reese One. 
LinkedIn, Arisa Wilson. You can go to my website. You can find different ways to connect with me. You wish coaching. You can just really Google Arisa Wilson coach, Arisa, you wish, and you can find me. I'm accessible till I'm not, but I always want people to know that you are worthy of being the model that you were created to be. And so if I appreciate you and you utilizing your platform for this, and thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you. All right. We are signing out again. Thank you, Coach Reese, for joining me today. And we are signing out. Purchase your tracks today. Well, that concludes this episode of Soph. Yeah. Say it with your chest. Yeah. With your host, yeah. Soph. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah. See you next time. Soph, yeah. say it with your chest. Soph, yeah. say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. Yeah. Just you.